just trying to give guys as many days off as we can to try and keep everyone healthy. I think that's what was our downfall last year. You know, we had lots of injuries all year, and so this year we came in trying to keep everyone as healthy as possible. Welcome to episode 232 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. We'll start things off this week by congratulating Calgary's Mike Soroka on being named the International League Pitcher of the Week. He turned in a near no-hitter and a seven-inning complete game gem in an 8-1 win over Jacksonville to earn the honor. Now, as we record this, he hasn't been called back up to Atlanta yet. However, by the time you're listening, it might just happen as the rumor mill is fired up about a potential start with the Braves on Friday. Check in on our social media channels for all the latest on the Maple Maddox. Congrats is also in store for the tugboat Matt Wilkinson on being named the National Junior College Athletic Association Pitcher of the Year by the American Baseball Coaches Association and Rawlings. The Dogs Academy and Okotoks Dogs product was outstanding with Central Arizona this spring, posting 10 wins in 16 games with 100 137 strikeouts. Yeah, you heard that number right. And you also heard a 1.07 ERA. Fantastic stuff. Now, Wilkinson was originally set to pitch for the Dogs again this summer, but in case you missed it from a couple of episodes ago, an opportunity did come up with the Chatham Anglers of the Cape Cod League, and he's been almost flawless there so far. I'd imagine we'll be hearing his name again and again in the next few weeks. And finally, a big shout out to Brooke Forsland, who threw a no-hitter for Sherwood Park against St. Albert and 15U AA action over the weekend. It was a great moment. The SPMBA caught on social media of the young star, who is the reigning Baseball Alberta 14U Girls Player of the Year. She'll also be suiting up for Alberta at the 16U Nationals in Prince Edward Island. If you've got a great community story that you'd like to share with us, make sure to email albertadugoutstories at gmail.com. Now let's head over to the Western Canadian Baseball League, and it's been another wild week with great games, a few upsets, and yes, a few rain delays. When all was said and done, the Okotoks Dogs reclaimed the top spot in the power rankings with Sylvan Lake and Moose Jaw not too far behind. We'd like to tip our caps right now to Medicine Hat Mavericks head coach Mark Goodman, who's accepted a position with the Rocky Mountain vibes of the Pioneer Baseball League. He was a guest on episode 230 of the podcast, if you'd like to take a listen back to that great conversation. The buzz is starting to grow around the league's all-star game, which is slated for July 15th in Okotoks. If you were there for last year's event, it was an absolute gem of a day, and the Dogs plan to make it bigger and better than that. Stay tuned as roster and coaching announcements, starting lineups, and more are set to be announced in the coming days. And of course, we'll have you covered here on the podcast and at albertadugoutstories.com. All right, enough from me. Let's get to our guests. We'll continue our head coach chats with Chance Wheatley of the Lethbridge Bulls. The Bulls have seen it all over the last couple of years, from winning it all during the pandemic abbreviated 2021 season to missing out on the playoffs in 2022. So they knew they had to get deeper and more experienced this summer. And it's paid dividends so far as they set fourth in the power rankings and third in that super competitive West Division. Wheatley knows it is a marathon, though, and not necessarily a sprint. Chance, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Let's talk about the season so far. You guys are looking pretty good and right in the thick of what is a jam-packed West Division. Talk about your analysis of the team thus far. Yeah, you know, we've a uh, pretty exciting group this year, I think. Uh, been a little little inconsistent to start the season, but, um, you know, I, I think we got a good group of players here this year. When you look at that roster, what's 
different in your eyes? Because there are quite a few returning guys and guys that may be just a year older or a year wiser, but also a good mix of new blood in there as well. Yeah, we got lots of uh, returning position players for sure. Um, that was kind of, you know, we were really happy with our position players last year and kind of a, a focus for us to bring as many guys as of those guys back this year as we could. And, uh, you know, pitching side, we brought in a lot of new guys and, you know, I think, I think we're a lot deeper on the mound this year. So reading up on some of the stuff that you were saying preseason, that was one of your focus points heading into the off season was making sure you were deep on the pitching side. Were you looking for anything in particular when it comes to the style of pitcher or the, the sort of arms that you wanted to have on the roster heading into this year? Um, no, not, I wouldn't say anything, um, in particular, um, you know, just kind of going out, talking, talking to coaches and, and, you know, finding the best fit for us was kind of, uh, our, our goal. And, you know, I, I think we did a pretty good job of that. You've had a kind of an interesting run the last couple of years because you go from WCBL champions in 2021 to just missing out on the playoffs in 2022. And you got a lot of guys who've played both. Uh, for both teams i mean calem haney we had on the podcast not too long ago and we had a couple of other guys saying the same thing it's it's kind of a weird like you've seen both extremes so what do you take from both to maybe the the coaching realm and say here's how we learned from both to be able to uh to put together a solid season in 2023 yeah, i think i think the biggest thing is you know we've got a, a bigger roster this year um last year you know we 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 didn't fill out all the roster spots and this year we have um, just trying to give guys as many days off as we can with, with that to try and keep everyone healthy. I think that's what was our downfall last year is we, you know, we had lots of injuries all year. And um, so this year we came in trying to, you know, keep everyone as healthy as possible. Mm-hmm. Is that position players and pitchers as well? Was that an issue that you saw uh, last year and then heading into this year as you wanted to prep for? Yeah, for for sure on the pitching side last year, that's that's really where our our big issues came in. We just had to, you know, had some injuries and had to overuse guys, and they just by the end of the year they were burnt out and tired, and um, you know, they they gave it their all, but you know they were kind of running on fumes there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we did have some some position player injuries as well, um, and guys had to play every day, which. You know, I, I think actually kind of helped us a little bit because guys were able to, you know, get into a good rhythm and, and get lots of at-bats. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, just trying to keep everyone healthy the whole season is our, our goal this year. So, mm-hmm. When you look at up and down this roster, when you compare it to last year, obviously the depth, depth notwithstanding, what do you like about this team? What do you think is different that's going to kind of get you over the hump? And, and especially in the early going here, what's really impressed you? I think the biggest thing is is kind of actually our pitching. You know, we we got quite a few guys in the bullpen this year that can come in and and give us some valuable innings. Um, I, I think that's the 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 big thing this year. Um, and you know, I I really think our offensively we've kind of been pretty inconsistent right now. Um, but with all the returning guys from last year, we know what they can do, and hopefully here we'll. Uh, We'll start, you know, putting or start getting a little bit more consistency because um, it's been there in spurts, but just not every game. And hopefully moving forward, that'll start to happen. 
one of the things I've noticed is it feels like any given Sunday almost, but for baseball is that any given Sunday, anybody can win. And whether it's you guys going up to Okotoks or Sylvan, like it's a, it's a battle Royale. It seems like every single game, every single week, talk about um, the excitement in the room, getting that opportunity to go out there and, and really put your best foot forward and be in the, you know, I know it's still early, but being able to, to have competitive ball games and to be knowing that anybody can step up in any big situation. Yeah, our our division, we haven't seen too much of the East yet this year. Um, coming up against uh, Swift Current here on Tuesday, but and we faced Med Hat twice. But our, I mean, so I don't know too much about the other division. But our division is crazy. Ever anyone can beat anyone. So you know, you, you gotta go out and there's there's no easy games this year. That's for sure. So you gotta go out and compete every game. From a coaching perspective, how fun is that being able to know that it's any game can ha- go any way and you're, you're finding yourself strategizing and we're only into, you know, 16 games into the season kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you kind of, you do a lot of thinking, um, just like I said, with no no easy games, you got to really find a way to try and put your best lineup out every day and even with giving guys off or days off as much as we can, you, you know, you still got to got to got to find ways to get your your best guys in there every day. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about the consistency, we've talked a little bit about the the health perspective from sort of a, a general locker room or, or clubhouse perspective. Coming into the year, did you have any expectations or thoughts as far as what kind of team you wanted out there? Was it going to be a, a hard-hitting team? Was it going to be a run-and-gun style of team? Did, did you have sort of a, a mindset or a philosophy that you wanted to ingrain in the boys really early on? Uh, I, I think the biggest thing coming in, you know, I we kind of knew what we had on the offensive side or, or thought, you know, we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a, a whole ton of... You know, we don't have a, a bunch of home run hitters. So um, just kind of putting together good at bats and, and staying on top of the ball with line drive approaches. Um, right. You know, kind of the, the thing now is lift the ball um, and try and hit home runs. But, you know, we, we really don't have that that team. Mm-hmm. Um, we got we got good contact hitters. We, we do have a little power, but, um, you know, I just trying to get the guys to stay on top of the baseball and, and hit line drives is kind of our, was, is our philosophy this season. Mm-hmm. When you look ahead to the next you know month and a half, two months of the season, what do you want to see out of these guys? Uh, you talked about consistency, but are there certain aspects of things that you really want to ingrain in them as they head towards a, a playoff run? Yeah, just, just come out every day and, and with the mindset of, you know, I think that's kind of something that we've struggled with this year is just kind of uh, coming into games prepared. We've kind of had slow starts in a lot of games, and that's something we've been we've been talking about. Um, just coming in with a, a different mindset of ready to go right from the first pitch. Um, and I think that's something we'd really like to see moving forward here. Talk a little bit about what, especially for the new guys who haven't been through the grinder yet, what kinds of things are you giving them as far as feedback and, and as far as advice so that they can withstand the the grind that is a WCBL season? Uh, you know, we've talked about getting guys days off as much as possible. Um, and I think that's kind of a, a big thing is just, you know, we're, we're not a club that you're going to play every single day um, and take those off days and, 
and make them productive, whether it's some extra, extra um, work in the cages with the coaches or, or whatever it is, you know, just even if you're not playing, take, take advantage of that day and, and get better. When it comes to being able to, uh, to play in the league that you once were a player in, what's it mean to you be able to give back in, in that way and be able to, uh, to kind of impress the next generation of, of Canadian and WCBL talent? Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. You know, I just seeing being involved with the uh, Prairie Baseball Academy um, and college and everything, you, you know, you kind of, you see what the Bulls program means to all of those players um, and, and how much they want to play in this league for this team. And, and it's just, it's awesome to be able to give those kids the chance to do it and, and play at this level. Mm-hmm. Does it surprise you at all? Or does it, does w- walk us through sort of the feels, I guess, when, when you get that opportunity to, especially after a few years of doing this, be able to catch up with guys who go on to bigger, better things. I think of a Ty Penner, for example, but there's others who've been able to go on and, and do some pretty cool things as well uh, through the game. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's, it's awesome to see it's especially those guys that put in the work, um, you know, they had talent to begin with, but just the amount of work that they put in to get where they are and, and to, to hear the fond memories they have of playing for this program. It's, you know, it's, um, how do you say it? It feels good, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, just to, to know that this program meant, meant something to them and it wasn't just you know kind of some team that they played for they they really enjoyed their experience and they they look back on it fondly and, and you get a bit of a unique perspective too and that you're as mentioned involved with not just the bulls but obviously with pba talk about being able to make that a little bit more i'll call it full circle but being able to see guys kind of mature through the different levels and be able to sh- see them uh succeed at the different levels as well yeah, it's that's probably my favorite part about this job is to kind of see the guys that you know came into PBA as you know kind of bubble guys and and just worked really hard with their their time there and whether it's one or two years there and and then work their way to to be at this caliber mm-hmm. um, to be able to be on this team and it's it's very exciting when you get to when you call up a player that is like that too and ask them to be on the team Mm -hmm. it's uh definitely a full circle moment i can only imagine uh final question for you here chance and i'll let you go Uh, it's one we ask everybody what does the game of baseball mean to you (laughs) that's a good question (laughs) um you know i I think it kind of means almost everything to me you know i i work every day at this job and i shouldn't even say a job I, i get to do this every day and you know i i wouldn't wouldn't rather do anything else. So, you know, just to see the players, how far they come in baseball and in life, it's, it's, it's amazing. Well, Chance, really appreciate the time. Congratulations on the success to this point, continued success with the Bulls this summer and beyond. And thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. All right. I I appreciate you having me. We head northeast to Brooks now and visit with Eric Ratacek of the Bombers, the pride of Circle Pines, Minnesota. He's off to a great start, hitting 389, and as we record this, leads the league in home runs with 7 and RBI with 29. He was just named the league's Who's Hot Player of the Week, riding a six-game hit streak. It's been an interesting journey for the six-foot-three outfielder as he's been on again, off again with baseball, not playing college ball for a year, and heading into the fall remains uncommitted. Eric, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. 
Let's get this on the record right now for those who might read it or have to say it over the loudspeakers at an upcoming Bombers game. How do you pronounce your last name properly? Uh, it's Ratacek. It's uh, like rat and then uh, and then like Ratacek. So <laughs> Polish or Russian in origin, but yeah, it's, uh, if you get it wrong, you won't be the first and I won't hold it again. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, how badly has someone butchered it? Like, what's the worst you've ever heard? Yeah, there have been some bad ones. I think my brother one time at a hockey tournament got rat a duck, <laughs> which there had to have been some sort of writing <laughs> misprint there or something, but yeah. Oh, man, that's unreal. And and I'm one of those people who like to ask for permission versus asking for forgiveness. So had I ever been in that situation, I would have asked you. And actually, weirdly, when in previous podcasts where I've mentioned your name, I was getting it right. So uh, I'll, I'll pat myself go, on the yeah. back later. Uh, <laughs> all right, so now on to the baseball stuff here. First off, welcome to Alberta. Welcome to the WCBL. How have you found the experience so far? It's been really cool. Um, it's my second time playing summer ball. Uh, I played in the Northwoods League back home in Minnesota uh, a couple summers ago. Um, and this, this is a very similar feel. I mean, as a lot of summer balls are, it's kind of the pro ball schedule. And, you know, for a lot of us college guys, that's what we're looking to do. And so it's a great experience to to get used to that schedule and to play every day. And it's it's been awesome. How did that opportunity all come about in the first place for you? Uh, so, actually, it's just through Twitter, um, as a lot of recruiting is nowadays. Uh, I didn't have a summer ball place for this summer lined up, and uh, they reached out. The Bombers, someone from the Bombers reached out, and I, in the past, have had uh, a little bit of trouble with some of the summer ball contracts and, and how variable they are, and you think you got one thing lined up, and then the next day it's going to somebody else, or, you know, a team personnel has switched, and it's not there anymore, so I saw an opportunity that was there for me and I jumped on it right away what was it about Canada that made you go well maybe this is an opportunity well I had never really thought about Canadian baseball much uh, obviously growing up in the states it's not like I mean you guys obviously have hockey and we know that you'll beat us in that any day but, mm-hmm. but baseball we usually think we have the edge up on that so I never really thought about it too much but then uh, playing down at Arizona Western we had a couple of Canadian guys on the team and at Wabash Valley too we so I've, I've seen some Canadian players um, through the JUCO ranks, and they're good ball players, and they spoke highly of the league. So I was, I, I put my faith in them and worked out. Absolutely. Looking at this season so far, numbers wise, you're doing really well. What's been working for you so far? Um, honestly, the kind of just trying to take everything one pitch at a time. Um, I've I'm 22 years old, so I'm a little bit on the older end of of college baseball, at least of this league side of things, for at least what I've seen. It seems like there's a lot of Juco guys in this league, and so I'm a little bit older, and the future of my career is very nebulous um, at best right now, mm-hmm. and so every day that I'm on the field is one more day of playing baseball, and so I just try and take it one day at a time as much as possible, one pitch at a time, and when you do that, don't get caught up in the in the past or the future too much. You don't get caught up worrying about your stats, or you don't get caught up worrying about who you might be playing next. You just kind of focus on what's going on right now, and when you do that, you tend to see the ball a little better, and things work out. However, coming here, did you have any expectations of yourself or any goals that you wanted to accomplish? Um, 
want to lead the lead everything statistically, you know, as everyone mm-hmm. does. Everyone wants to put up good numbers. Um, but I, I didn't exactly set myself, you know, hard line number goals like a lot of guys do. I know. Um, I just knew that, like I said, with my future in baseball being nebulous at this point right now, this might be one of, if not my last opportunity to to play competitive college baseball, and that the really the only expectation I'd set for myself through that lens was to play every game as hard as you can, and if you ground out, run it out hard. If you, you know, just play every game with no regrets, so that when it's over and done with, you can be looked back on it with pride. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're a product of Minnesota. Uh, talk a little bit about growing up in that state and, and playing ball there. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, like I said earlier, it's very similar to uh, to the Canadian feel, at least as I've experienced it. Uh, I grew up playing hockey and baseball. Hockey was actually my preferred favorite sport growing up uh, until I realized that I wasn't any good at it and I was better <laughs> at baseball. Um but yeah, I think the the baseball in Minnesota is it gets a little bit overlooked um, because historically it doesn't produce a lot of people because it's I mean it's tough to play when there's so many months out of the year that are cold, snowy, mm-hmm. and rainy. Um, but I think Minnesota baseball is definitely trending in the right direction. There are a lot of guys out there running some of the club organizations. I know the the uh, Great Lakes Lumberjack facility. Brian Bambanek over there is doing really good work with his hitters. One of the best coaches I've ever seen. Um, there's the whole town ball scene in, in Minnesota, which I don't think many people know of. It's essentially just like men's league, but they have these beautiful stadiums in a lot of these small towns that will get, you know, three, four, five hundred people out to the games. And it's, it's just a great way to keep the, the joy of baseball alive. So I think Minnesota baseball is, it's, it's trending upward for sure. And I think, uh, soon, people are going to start to take notice of it. Drew Gilbert was a graduating class partner of mine. Um, we went to different schools, but we graduated in the same class, so I played against him growing up in high school, and he's definitely going to gonna put the state on the map here very shortly. Mm-hmm. He already has, but um, going in the first round for the Astros out of Tennessee, he's going to really light up the big leagues, and I can't wait to see it. Mm-hmm. Talk a little about um, the the big influences in your life, those who really kind of made a difference in your in not just your baseball career, but also your your you know being a human being piece. Yeah, I mean, biggest ones right off the bat are going to be my parents. Um, my dad is a uh, has a master's degree in biology and has chosen to be a professional artist by trade, um, mm-hmm. like a a painter that is, and kind of seeing that story play out every day and, and him pursuing what what he feels called to do over what kind of maybe the the world expects of him is uh, really inspirational for me and, and been something that's uh, allowed me to continue pursuing baseball even when it seems like doors are kind of getting shut in my face. Um, it's actually his birthday too today, so happy birthday, Dad, <laughs> if you uh, end up listening to this. Agreed. Um, and my mom is a uh, works as a nurse in pediatric oncology, so she's one of the strongest people I know, and and every day has to face things that most people aren't even aware of. And yeah, together they've been great role models, and I kind of owe everything I have to them. They're definitely the two biggest influences in my life. 
two pretty good ones, especially when you think about, as you mentioned, there's the the challenges of trying to to find a, a new home for for baseball at the college level, that kind of thing. I know I reached out to you mainly for partly because of how much you use social media. Talk about um, your decision to kind of go that route and and really try to get yourself seen in as many ways as possible. Yeah, so out of high school, I uh, I didn't even play college baseball my freshman year. I went to the University of San Diego um, just as a student, and then uh, COVID hit. Um, we got sent home, everything. You know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that year, the next year, I decided to take the year off of school because I didn't want to pay the full tuition for what was essentially going to be a mitigated year. Um, and I ended up playing for a postgraduate program uh, just locally by my house because I, you know, had had nothing to do that year without school, and they let me work to substitute the, their tuition that they had, and so I, I worked for them, and then I, I played and, and developed with them, too, in their facility. And that kind of salvaged my baseball career, at least my college baseball career, and allowed me to end up uh, playing junior college baseball the year after that. Um and then after I was done with JUCO, it was kind of the same story. There's the the options I had on the table, none of them were the right fit for me. Um, I really highly prioritized academics, and they were they were good at baseball options, but none that kind of coincided coincided with the academic route that I wanted to take. So I ended up going back to the University of San Diego, just a student again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when I did that, you know, pretty much every day of this year, I missed baseball and was kind of second-guessing my decision. Um, and so now at this point, the only – I don't I don't really have any Yugo coaches recruiting for me in my corner anymore, you know, at this point. I've moved out from all that. So it's kind of up to me to, to get myself seen, to get myself out there. Social media is really the only way that I can do that um, effectively. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about sort of the – I'll call it the trials and tribulations, but it, it sounds like, to me anyways, is that – there's that underdog mentality, but also that mentality of, you know, almost a DIY thing. Like you want to be, you kind of want to be in, in charge of your own destiny to a certain extent. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one thing a lot of guys learn in junior college baseball is that um, no, no one's really going to hold your hand through the process. There are going to people be people that help you along the way and that you're going to end up owing your any success to because there will be those fundamental people. But at the end of the day, you're the one in the driver's seat, and so you got to take control of it. And yeah, you figured that out pretty quick. Um, playing in small town Jucos. You mentioned the academic piece. What is it that you want to be pursuing in that realm? So I'm currently on a biology track at uh, USD, um, but ideally they're a smaller school, so they don't have a huge uh, litany of major options. So if if I were at a bigger school or if I ended up transferring somewhere, I'd be looking to major in something like kinesiology or sports physiology um, with the intention of maybe doing some some postgraduate work um, in in some sort of athletic performance type laboratory. Um, I'd really love, I love the strength and conditioning side of sports and I think that there's a lot of misinformation in that realm of, of things and that it'd be pretty cool to be a person in that space who kind of delivers good information and helps athletes kind of achieve more than 
than what they thought they were able. Mm, it's it's super, and the reason I ask is it's super interesting to hear. You know, a lot of athletes are like athletics first, and they kind of the the scholarly piece is is almost an afterthought. Whereas you're kind of taking the opposite approach. So I found that part interesting. Uh, a couple of yeah. uh, rapid fire questions for you to put things uh, to wrap things up here, Eric. First off, what is your favorite ballpark food? Favorite ballpark food? That's a good question. Um, probably have to go back to my childhood and say cotton candy. Not so much anymore, but but just for the nostalgia of it. Fantastic. <laughs> Look at the Twins games. Oh, that's got to be fan. Oh, that just sounds so good right now. I got to tell you, as a sugar <laughs> guy, your favorite walk-up tune. Uh, I like the one that I've been having this year so far in Brooks. It's called Gasoline by Whiskey Myers. They're a Texas kind of rock country band. Mm-hmm. Favorite ballpark you've ever played in or been a spectator in? Um, played in, uh, I'm biased, but definitely CHS Field uh, in St. Paul. It's the uh, site of the Twins AAA uh, team. It okay. used to be an indie ball um, stadium, but they kind of got absorbed into affiliated ball. Um, but yeah, CHS, spectacular stadium. Um, best playing surface I've ever played on for sure. Um, as far as spectating, there's a bunch of them. I'm, I might have to say Petco in San Diego. Um, that one's that one's pretty cool. It's right there on the water, and they got some interesting features there. Very cool. Whose poster did you have up on your wall as a kid? <laughs> um, Alex Ovechkin. Going back to the hockey roots. Wow. Did you have anybody baseball wise? Um, you know, I don't think that I did actually. Um, we had a bunch of Tory Hunter stuff up over the house. We were twin fans, and, and he was great at the time. You know, growing up, Joe Mauer too. Very cool. Finally, uh, the best advice you've ever received. Uh, be where your feet are. Not much more to say than that. It's just be in the present moment. Don't get too caught up in, in looking forward or looking backwards. Just look at where you're at now and do the best you can with it. It's a great one. Final question for you. It's one we ask everyone here on the podcast. What does the game of baseball mean to you? Yeah, I, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and heard you guys ask each guy that. And I think it's an interesting question because everyone gives the same answer, that it means everything. And I think it's, it's hard for me to say because two years ago I would have said the same thing. It means everything to me. Um, but as I kind of grow up, it's it's seemingly becoming more important to me to kind of differentiate myself outside of just the game of baseball. Like there's more to life than that. Mm. I'm, I'm starting to learn and understand. Baseball is a huge part of my life, and I'm going to fight every day to keep it in it. But um, to me, baseball, what it means to me is is kind of the the teacher that has been able to be in my life and the things that has been able to show me about about life and about kind of getting through things um, in the right way. So, so to me, baseball is definitely a teacher, and it's it's taught me a great deal of life lessons that that have kind of helped me stay on the right track. I think whenever I face some things that don't go my way. Such a thoughtful answer, and really appreciate you patting our download stats as well. It's uh, always a good <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Eric, really appreciate the time. Congratulations and all the success through the trials and tribulations, continued success in Brooks and beyond. And again, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. 
And we head east one more time for our final guest this week, as it was a great spring for Zach Stark at Williston State, as the Medicine Hat product hit 327 with four homers and 32 RBI. More importantly, he was a steady performer behind the plate with a fielding percentage of 995, throwing out 27 would-be base dealers and committing just two errors in 50 games. Stark was recently rewarded for that effort with a National Junior College Athletic Association Division II Rawlings Gold Glove Award. He's back with his hometown team, the Medicine Hat Mavericks. We chatted about a variety of things, including being able to suit up with two of his brothers last summer. Zach, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Let's start with the most recent news, and that is your trophy case. It's a little more full after winning a Rawlings Gold Glove Award for your play behind the plate at Williston State. What went through your mind when you got that news? Um, I was pretty ecstatic. Um, obviously, it's a very grateful to have this award. Um, and just one of my teammates came to the bus and he told me that I won it. And then it's, uh, the past couple of days, you know, people have been letting me give me congratulations and stuff. So I'm very grateful to have um, this opportunity. You and I were talking off air about this, but is it something that was on your radar throughout the course of the year that, hey, I'm having a good year defensively and maybe this is a possibility? Or was it something that was kind of coming out of nowhere? And did you know that you were having that kind of year that might be uh, elevated in that way? Um, it kind of came out of nowhere. I was just playing one game at a time, and then each game I stepped on the field, I just kind of you know played as hard as I could. And then I kind of knew good things would pay off. So I guess one of the good things that paid off. How crazy did your cell phone go, especially from your Williston teammates? Um, I couldn't even handle it. Everybody was texting me, calling me, and just asking, what does the trophy look like? Are you getting anything special? And then I, you know, it was just, it was a great feeling from all the boys just let me know how proud they were of me. How cool is that to not just have the, the faith of your pitching staff, but also to be recognized in that way from on a national level and be thought of as being one of the best in the country when it comes to the defensive side of the ball? Um, it, feels, it feels pretty good. Um, I kind of always, you know, growing up, I was always kind of the smaller guy and I was always, you know, wasn't looked at as a catcher, more looked at as like a second baseman and outfielder Then I kind of, you know, went, went back to those moments, thinking of those moments of how far it really came to get the support. So, you know, I'm just really happy I stuck with it. What was the key in your mind looking back on it that made it such a successful year for you over at Williston? Um, just, you know, all the extra reps, you know, uh, make sure you get in there. And I know a lot of guys to get in there just get their swings in. But for me, I just like to get in there, you know, make sure to get my defense work in. Because you're behind the plate and you're on battle, so you don't trust your ability, then you're not going to catch very well. But if you, you know know that you put the work in you're gonna be doing okay talk a little bit about the mindset piece that comes along with that because catcher is such a unique position you're facing the opposite direction compared to everybody else but you're also in on every single play talk about the preparation and mindset that goes into uh the day-to-day grind of being a catcher um yeah so i'll kind of go over my uh day-to-day so we get to the field and hit my bp and then i go straight into you know kind of like a starting pitcher type mentality. So I've had phones in and I'm just trying to get myself locked in, make sure my body's loose and then, you know, just preparing for the game at hand. And then I'll just keep saying to myself, it's only nine. And then from that first pitch to the last pitch, I got to be locked in the whole time. 
So I feel like uh, the music for me, and you know, I do a little breathing methods too, with some receiving work, blocking work that gets me ready to go. And then also, I kind of have a balance between hitting and catching. So the second I step off the field from catching, I'm like, okay, I got to hit now. And then when I finish hitting, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back to the defensive mindset. You mentioned the music piece. What's usually in your headphones when you're listening to tunes? Uh, uh, it's usually rap music. A lot of Drake I like to play. Um, little Baby as well. Those guys what I did. So. Very cool. Um, when you talk about the, the preparation and, and that kind of thing, from a catcher's perspective or from your perspective, do you like to call the game as you see it? Do you have signals that are being brought to you and they're calling the game for you? Do the pitchers give you some insight? And talk us through sort of the preparation of, of handling each batter, knowing their preferences, all that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, so basically the first time around the order, um, I kind of already have an idea just based on kind of charts and stuff like that of what I'm going to call from there. And then based on their output of the last at that, you know, I kind of adjust accordingly. Um, so, yeah, just kind of – and another thing with pitchers as well, if they want another pitch or they're maybe 0-2 or 1-2, you know, I'll just let them know, hey, that's your call. You feel like you really – Dot this pitch down, then go for it, and I won't be upset if you want to throw this. But most of the time, I'll be, want to be the one to call a pitch that I know is going to work. Is that a tough thing to try to wrap your head around? Is like if you know a pitcher is just missing that spot just a little bit, and you can tell he wants that pitch, but you're like, "Don't do it! Don't do it!" How do you how do you strike that balancing act? I've always been curious about uh, situations like that. Um, just kind of, you know. I'm going to put that number down until they nod their head. It has to be like that. Um, I, it's more about kind of the team and getting it out here the more than it is, you know, getting that strikeout or maybe put the guy on first. Mm-hmm. Let's switch gears a little bit here. Head, you're back in Medicine Hat for another tour of duty with the Mavericks. It is your hometown after all. What is it like getting to suit up in that stadium that you probably grew up watching a few games in? Yeah, I know. It's a, every time I come back, it's a great feeling. Like, um, I get to play in front of everybody I grew up with, and they're all supporting me and making sure that, you know, we put on a show for the fans and make sure the fans are wanting to watch a winning team win. That's all we can really do out there. That's all I really want to do out there. Mavs have been flirting with 500 all season, but they're in a super competitive division right now, sitting second as we record this. How would you assess the team's play to this point? Um, yeah, super competitive. Uh, team, our team's doing pretty well. Um, we battle each game. We don't really. There's a lot of fight mess. We're not a team that really roll over. We're gonna we're gonna fight until that last out's reported. So when we lose, we're gonna keep our heads high. We're gonna make sure that you know next day, no matter the outcome, it's another day. So. Mm-hmm. When you think about that clubhouse, what's being said in the room to make sure that you are better down the road and getting ready to uh, to go for a pl- uh, long playoff run? Yeah, so um, just but one game at a time, right? You can't be thinking too far ahead in the season, especially a Wimbledon season like this where it's about like over 55 games or it's seven games, something like that. Um, you know, you got to make sure that you can't be too high, you can't be too low based on an outcome. You got to kind of ride that medium and ride that, you know, middle length. And from there, you know, you just adjust. Mm-hmm. Aside from the obvious winning a championship, did you have any personal goals or expectations heading into the summer? Uh, yeah, no, not really. I'm just more 
kind of hear from the boys. So just make sure the team can win. That's all I'm really hoping for. Mm-hmm. We had your brother Nathan on the podcast last year, right after the two of you suited up with your other brother Josh. As the catcher in that group, what was that like looking out, seeing one brother on the bump and the other one who I think was playing outfield in that particular moment? Yeah, I know that was a really special feeling, right? We always kind of, we didn't really have a chance to play with each other growing up and then kind of be able to do it at a stage like this is something super special. In the aftermath of that, what has the conversation been like as you think back on that, or especially around the kitchen table with your parents and that kind of thing, getting getting a chance to reminisce about, hey, we, we always wanted to do that, and we finally got to do it? Yeah, no, they um, they were super ecstatic to have all three, well, three out of four kids on the team at one time. So, uh, yeah, we talk about that all the time. You know, uh, my mom still talks about it every day almost. So, yeah, it's a pretty cool feeling. You're heading to Mid-America Christian University in the fall. Why that program, and what has you most excited about heading down there? Uh, yeah, so going into May, I was just kind of, I uh, had a couple offers um, early on in the spring, but nothing I really liked, and then I was just kind of playing, hoping I could still get an offer, and then they called, and then everything felt really good to me, and uh, I chose them, so I feel like this is going to give me the best opportunity to further my baseball career. Mm-hmm. Some rapid-fire questions to wrap things up here, Zach. First off, favorite ballpark food? Oh, uh, probably going to have to go with the burger, I'm thinking. What's on the burger? Uh, probably some sautéed mushrooms. I mean, sautéed onions and some mushrooms, a uh, little ketchup, and maybe some pickles. Oh, very good. Uh, best ballpark you've been in as a player or as a fan? Um, as a fan, probably uh, Dodger Stadium. And then, um, as a player, I'd probably say Wichita State. Your go-to binge-worthy TV show? Oh, Trailer Park Boys, for sure. <laughs> That's a classic, an oldie but a goodie. I like it. Uh, your favorite baseball memory? Um, probably winning the Rangers Turkey Championship this year. Very cool. Finally, uh, who is the most gifted athlete in the Stark household? Uh, I don't know if I should answer that one. Uh, um, um, We'll go with we'll we'll, we'll give my dad some props. We'll go Mike, best athlete. Fair enough. Final question for you here: What does the game of baseball mean to you? Um, it it means everything to me. I get to go every day and do something I love, and um, you know, it's given me way more opportunities than I am you know, expect up or need it. So I'm just happy I can still do it, and I'm going to keep going until somebody tells me I can't do it. Well, we hope the best for you for sure, Zach. Congrats on the gold glove and all the success to this point, continued success going forward with the Mavs and, of course, beyond. And thanks again for joining us here on the podcast. No, thanks for having me. Thanks again to Chance Wheatley, Eric Ratajczak, and Zach Stark for joining us this week. And thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. If you haven't already, leave us a rating and review on your podcast app. And make sure to check us out on social media as we have a giveaway going on right now for one of our comfy hoodies. Mention the pod in one of your replies and you might just get a bonus point. Just saying. As always, we like to tip our caps to our fantastic partners, including our platinum supporters, the Okotoks Dogs and AHP Academy, for all they do for us and for baseball in Alberta. 
We really couldn't do what we do without their generosity, so thank you again to the dogs and to AHP. Until next time, thank you for all of your support online, on social, and on air of Alberta Dugout Stories.